Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's football and random things on a snowy Monday morning in central Iowa. This is what hell basically froze over in Des Moines today. But you know what? It's, I think this is fun in December. Like in December up until like, I don't know, like January 15th. Like somewhere in there where you still have like the, the holiday festive hangover. And then after the middle of January, any snow is like, all right, I'm absolutely sick of this. I'm done with it. But right now, anytime before Christmas, it's got that winter wonderland feel to it. Like Bing Crosby's singing right now. But I can already tell you right now, I'm excited to get to Orlando, Florida, where hopefully there will be no snow on the ground. I'm anticipating it being sunny you know, every even day. It, even if it's not sunny, it's going to be warm. It will be warm, and I will have no complaints. How, we, uh, how would one get down to the bowl game? If you want to go to the bowl game, you can travel with Cyclone Fanatic and EB Tours. You can find that right now on the Cyclone Fanatic homepage. They've got the air and land package available as well as a land-only package. It means you get to hop on a bus and ride from Des Moines all the way to sunny Orlando. And the way that these trips are put together, I think Chris harps on it all the time. It's not to like try and price gouge anybody or be like, hey, buy our thing instead of buying something else. It's just the logistics of doing the whole planning thing. If you've tried, it's kind of a pain. And yeah. so it's a affordable package that gets you down at a good time with a bunch of Cyclone fans. You can hang out with Chris the whole time, which again, sales point or detriment to it, you decide, but it's your experience. So you can try. And then you get down at a reasonable time, get back at a reasonable time for a reasonable price. And I can tell you right now, just from, I already booked my flights to Orlando. I'm going down on the 23rd. Uh, I can tell you right now that the package that you can get through Cyclone Fanatic is affordable in comparison to what you're ever going to get if you're just putting it together on your own. And if you want to save money, so we're going down, my girlfriend and I are heading down to Tampa a few days before to try and get a little kind of beach time in because Orlando is obviously not coastal. So get a little beach time in before we get down there. And so lining up the logistics to try and find affordability that doesn't in, I mean, just anywhere to down to Orlando at this point. Yeah. The package is a very good idea. Yeah. The package is a really good idea. And then, cause that also gets you your hotel. And we were done booking at 1215 last night and we started about seven to try and get everything yeah. laid out and organized. So we're not paying $14,000 to try and get down there. I was just saying, and like for me, so I did my flight already and uh, I'm going to stay in the media hotel and to do the media hotel was like a lot cheaper than what you're going to get for most other hotel options at this point uh, in, at this point in the game. And I'll be right down the street from the folks that are going on the cyclone Fnac tour. So uh, yeah, if you want to come with us, travel with us. Uh, you can find that right now on the Cyclone Fanatic homepage. You can find that all over our social media, all that kind of stuff uh, on CycloneFanatic.com. It should be a good time. Like Jeff mentioned, you can travel with Chris. I think that they're working on putting together some sort of program for the people that are, are riding on the, on the charter. A program like Chris is like rehearsing a song and dance that he does up, to, up and down the aisles for 26 hours? Yes, it will be a sketch show. Just, a, a variety just hour. Just one man though. A one man variety and hour. And then Rob Gray will tap in and be like, Chris, you need to sit down. Yeah. Chris is, or Rob is just gonna be the voice of reason. Chris, you're, you're scaring everyone. You're scaring the children. Um, three people have thrown up watching you. I don't you know, man. I, I think Chris, I think Chris has a little bit of uh, he's got some thespian in him. Some I know, showman. I know he does. Me and him, both members of the Cardinal theater thespian troupe at Clarendon high school. Oh, cool. 
Uh, shout out to Ken Bolster, Hall of Famer in the uh, Iowa Thespian Society. So I know that uh, I know Chris has got some acting that's just, chops. It's just a long monologue. Yeah, it's a long monologue. It's like he's gonna do. Yeah, just a one man show the whole time. It's a promise. That if that doesn't sell you on the Cyclone Fanatic <laughs> charter, then I I don't know what possibly could at this point. I think Chris at this point is like. If you guys back me into a corner any farther, you're both fired. <laughs> it's okay. We've definitely backed him way into deeper <laughs> corners with different things before. Oh, man. We can take a break, and then we'll talk about, like, what... I haven't looked too much into Notre Dame, but just the bowl experience, what we're going to be expecting, what to do, stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. We'll do that when we come back. Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Football and Random Things. I didn't even mention it in the first segment. Cyclones taking on Notre Dame at the Camping World Bowl, at the Citrus Bowl, the historic Citrus Bowl Stadium. Could, could Iowa State have gotten a better draw? No. I really don't think they could have. No. And I'm to- hey, just, I, it, I, admittedly, we talked about it last week, what my expectations of what they needed to do to get out of Memphis were, because I didn't think that Orlando would the the camping world would take Iowa State over two teams that had beaten them. And that was genuinely shocking to me. But that just proves the power of who we're talking to right now. Yeah. Like the people that are listening to this, the fan base for Iowa State, you guys got us to Orlando. Period. Point blank. End of story. That's it. Because Kansas State travels well but they don't travel like Iowa State travels. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma State doesn't travel very well at all. So once Texas was off the board to the Alamo, which, I mean, anybody, I, I would have picked them to go to the Alamo Bowl because, I mean... Apparently, Texas fans are disappointed that they're going to the Alamo. Well, there's still enough... Where, did of, they, where would they have rather have gone? I don't know. But there's still enough of them to, have, to, to populate that place because yeah. it's in Texas, it's a bowl game. Even there's going to be UT alum that live in San Antonio that just go. Yeah. So, like, they're, for the bowl game's sake... That was a no-brainer. But then Orlando has got first pick. Like, I was expecting Iowa State because they had lost to Iowa, to Kansas State and Oklahoma State that they would, in good conscience, just be like, hey, we've got to take these other teams. But the how much I, the lore that follows Iowa State to bowl games mm-hmm. is real. Yeah. It's not a us thinking, you know, you know, my kid's the smartest kid in the class or, you know, whatever. It's legitimately Iowa State's fan base is is a, a desired commodity in the bowl picking world. And it is totally established by this because there's no rhyme or reason right. that Iowa state would be taken over Kansas state or Oklahoma state. Cause if you want to, if you want the show for leading into um, the, the, the playoff game, which is another fantastic time slot. If you want the show, you get Oklahoma state because that would have Chuba Hubbard. He's probably going to win um, the, the Doak Walker. Mm-hmm. That's the show. That's the, you know, what the, the sexy thing that would be kind of publicized in the award season. Oklahoma State's the show. Kansas State would be, I mean, they'd beat Iowa State. That would be the, the highest ranking team with the best health 
would be the quote best team to take by objective outside standards. But the thing that Iowa State has with it is again, the fan base. We're going to travel in, I mean, dozens of thousands, like we'll be 25,000 plus down in Orlando and no one else is going to do that. That stadium is probably going to be sold out because Notre Dame's going to travel, even though they're probably disappointed with the bowl pick because they're 10 and two and they have two quality losses. Um, They're still Notre Dame. They still have uh, so many fans across the country that they're going to fill their part of the stadium. And Iowa State, just having been able to go to Orlando, we're going to fill our part of the stadium. That's probably going to be one of the best-selling bowls of the entire bowl spectrum. Yeah. So uh, props to you guys as listeners, fans, devoted people that will travel to getting Iowa State to this point. Yeah. And by traveling again well to Orlando, that again pops Iowa State to the top of the, to, to the, top of the order to say, hey, if, you're, if we're close with anybody, we should get picked. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it's been funny to see the reaction of Kansas state fans. It's justified on the internet. Like it's just, it's, they beat Iowa state by head to head. If you're picking Oklahoma state beat Iowa state, Kansas state beat Iowa state, but Iowa state gets picked over the other two. See, and the thing is too, I know the camping world wanted to get Iowa state last year. So I think that that probably has something to do with it too, where like they're sitting there like we wanted to get Iowa state before, Mm -hmm. you know, and they weren't able to get them because obviously Iowa state went to the Alamo bowl. So I think that they saw a situation where Iowa State's sitting right there and they're like, we have to get them. We have to take them. Because again, economically, it's the biggest bang for your buck. Yeah. You're going to get Orlando. It's, again, it's going to be flooded. For Do they drink Bush Light in Orlando? They better. I, so th- I've been to Orlando before when I was like eight, I think. You didn't notice the Bush Light when you were eight. Wasn't thinking about the Bush Light when I was eight years old. I was a little more excited about uh, Disney World. Yep. Uh, and uh, going to Universal Studios, which you better believe I'll be out there at uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Like, I, let's <laughs> let's not get this uh, twisted in any way. My ass will be at Harry Potter, but you know, in this situation, there's a, there's a lot more to it. You know, there's the Disney Boardwalk. I'll be having some fun on the Disney Boardwalk. I'll I'll be doing all kinds of fun stuff down there in Orlando. I got to know what kind of beer am I going to be drinking? Do I need to take my Bush Light with me? I think Bush is going to be like advertising enough to Orlando to be like, please. Buy more of our product. You're going to sell more of our product. I promise. Isn't it a really spread out town? I'm not sure. I, so I've been to Orlando very briefly. And then I had to go to, up to Palm Coast and spend a, a week up there. So I'd only been to Orlando for, for a few days. Um, but, I mean, we'll experience it once we get down there. And yeah. for those that have more Orlando advice, feel free to toss them in the forums and kind of through on Twitter and Facebook of places that we should recommend or whatever. If you have yeah. ideas people would like to do, awesome, great. Um, but to come back to the football part, I think another, another aspect of this that is really, really cool, and this is what I uh, wrote the register part about, the fact that this game matters now, because you're at, Orlando is cool, but if, or if you're playing, I, I mean, not to, to discredit anybody, but if you're playing like Florida International in Orlando, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You're, not, you're not flexing on anybody. You're not, it's, okay, you're playing a, you know, a MAC team, or not MAC team, but you're playing a mid-major team. And you're like, okay, well, it doesn't really matter. I, you know, we're still pumped to be in a bowl game. We're just happy to be here. But the fact that you're playing Notre Dame in Orlando, and you have, again, the, the TV lead-in to the playoff, this matters. Yeah. And what that does is it kind of supercharges the practices. So if you're just kind of, you know, if, you, if you've, if you're a team like, say, Texas, who has picked 
uh, ahead of time too. And I don't know, I don't recall who Texas is playing in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, Utah. Oh, that's actually a pretty good game. Yeah. But both those teams are disappointed. It's a disappointment bowl. So like both those teams are not happy with where they're at. They would rather have been higher. So the practice for those teams is going to be a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. Cool. Texas is playing Utah. They're both high ranking. The Alamo Bowl is fairly prestigious, but it's not a New Year's Six Bowl. It's uh, it's not one of the your your BCS games. Uh, it's not in the playoff. Yeah. You're not a conference champion. Those things were on the table, not for Texas, they fell off the table a while ago, but for Utah, they were on the table like on Friday, nine. Yeah. Like four days, four days ago. Yeah. So you, the, the difference between where they could be and where they are is huge. So Iowa state where they could have been was Memphis against Navy. Yeah. And that, if you were to practice that, like, again, you're kind of just like, I mean, it's cool. It's a bowl game. We get to practice more fine, whatever. And the underclassmen are always going to be Right. Really happy because what an underclassman, uh, what bowl prep is now, there's three major things that bowl prep is going to be. One is getting everybody healthy. It's if, if, you know, like Eisworth, I bet Eisworth doesn't tackle anybody until the game day yeah. against Notre Dame. I don't, I don't even think he thuds against anybody, which thud is just tackle without going to the ground. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I bet he doesn't even thud. He's individual drill. And then once they get to team at all, he'll do scout but then pull him out. He's yeah. just, he, there's no sense. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it. The risk of him getting contacted is totally not worth the benefit of what you're going to get from him actually taking live reps. Right. And then you have other guys that we probably don't know about. Like this is not any insider information. Like let's say Tariq Milton's hamstring for the last three games has been tighter than it should be. Or Deshante Jones had something, you know, whatever. Brock Purdy's shoulder. Something like that, where it's not an injury. It's just, it's not at full health. Even those guys that are kind of on the fence will still be in the same position that Eisworth is in of, you're going to take individual reps, you'll take scout reps. And then once we actually get to playing each other and like kind of scrimmaging or thudding or you're doing quote live work, they're out. They're yeah. not going to be practicing anymore. The person that had this all the time was Alexander Robinson when we when I that when we were there because a Rob. I mean, he's he had so much work and his body was so uh, beat down by the time the end of the season rolled around. He would do individual drill and scout, and then he would take his shoulder pads off. Like he was just done for the yeah. rest of practice. There's no sense in him doing it. But what that does, so that's point number one is you're going to get everybody healthy. Is rehab, rehab. Mark Coberly and the strength staff uh, are the MVPs of bull prep season to try and make sure everybody's ready to go. Uh, But because you're pulling people up, point number two is you have uh, so many opportunities for other guys to get reps. Like Rayel Mitchell. Rayel Mitchell. Again, let's say they want to rest Brock Purdy because with a shoulder or something else that they just want him to not be in practice because they don't need him to be in practice. Rayel Mitchell is going to take snaps with the ones against the ones for like three weeks. Mm -hmm. So this is a time for younger guys to get really meaningful snaps. And this is, I don't know who this is going to be. And I, cause I don't know who, where, how the, the, you know, the practice restrictions are going to put on guys. But like when I was again, the same situation in 2009, the reason, I think the reason I got a scholarship in 2010 was because of bowl season in 2009, because when we went to Phoenix, a Rob was, again, they pulled him out of any scrimmages. And then there was basically me, Bo Blankenship and James white, uh, and Jer- excuse me, Jeremiah Schwartz, James white was still, he hadn't filled out yet. He was like 160 pounds. So I was one of like three guys that was playing because a Rob would get pulled. So I was playing with the twos against the one defense. And because I had the only thing that I had been able to do up until that point was scrimmaging other red shirts or 
taking scout reps and you can only do so much on scout team because you're trying to imitate somebody else. Mm -hmm. So when you get to scrimmage against the ones, it's like, okay, who is Jeff Woody? Who is he in relation to these other good players? And when you stand up to that test, that's when people get a lot more confidence to be like, okay, he can actually do it. He can play here. So I got to actually get meaningful snaps right. because of Alexander Robinson resting in bull prep, which led me into spring ball, which let me get a, a scholarship in summer. So it might not be walk on guys or whatever, but like, let's say it's a guy like, like Blake Peterson that has sort of kind of sparingly gotten play, but maybe they want to, again, no insider information. Maybe they want to get any a break because his something has been sore. Mm-hmm. And then that leads the, you know, a backup to play as a starter. And then all of a sudden that opens up a spot for you to go against the ones you're going against Julian good Jones every day in practice now in a live situation. Well, I was going to say, think about what this can do for your offensive lineman that you have to break in now mm-hmm. where you've That's got like big Rob. I was going to say where you've got four offensive linemen to replace going into next season. You know that those four seniors all know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, like you're not worried about whether Julian good Jones and Colin Olson and Josh Knipfel and, and, and Bryce Meeker know what they're doing. Right. But you know, now this gives guys like Joey Ramos, uh, you mentioned uh, Big Rob, Colin Newell can get back in there, mm-hmm. uh, mixing it up with that crew. And not only that, so they can get reps, they can get reps together, but they can also get reps being able to be coached by those seniors. Yeah. So this is a time when, especially guys like outgoing seniors, you know, in spring ball, it's it, everyone helps everyone. It's a team. Like you're not at, at all looking for um, to try and like beat down anybody, but you're competitive. You want that job. Right. So you're still helping them, but like your focus is how can I take what they did and apply it better to myself? And that's still a lesson you're doing in bowl prep, but more, if you're a senior, if you're an outgoing senior, like Josh Kniffle, I, and I don't know the guy from Adam, maybe he would just always do this anyway, Adam but like, Gray? no, nope, nope, nope. Okay. No. Yeah. I, I bet their body types are, are different in person. I don't know. I haven't seen Adam in a while. That's true. So. He might be, might've gained some weight. Uh, I don't think he's gained that much. Probably not. But like Kniffle is going to be looking at, say, at Rob and there's n- the only thing he's thinking about is how can I help this kid? Yeah. Because there's there's really not many lessons to learn from you from watching him anymore. And spring, it's again, how can I, he took a bad step. I'm going to learn to not take that bad step mm-hmm. because I have a whole season to prepare for. This is like, if again, if you're an outgoing senior, you're like, I got one game. I'm going to do what I'm going to do for one game. I can obviously you want to get better and, and perfect your craft, but like you're really just watching me like, Hey, take this step in this direction. And so you have like 12 coaches on the field for any one particular position group, because you have a lot of upperclassmen, you have coaches and you have assistants that are all just watching like the younger guys get meaningful snaps. So this bowl prep season is a lot better. And the, 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 the two points of resting people and getting younger guys reps it makes it so much more impactful when everybody wants to be there. Yeah. Again, it's in Orlando. It's against Notre Dame. It's a lead into the bowl, the, to the, to the playoff. So this practices are like, everyone's just jazzed up to go do it. Right. Cause it's a good opponent and a good time. See, and I think the fact that it is Notre Dame cannot be lost on anybody. And I know that Notre Dame is one of those programs that everybody, oh, they're overrated. All this, you know, all this kind of stuff. They're good. They're good, and it, and that is a very good football team. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they took Georgia right to the to the wire mm-hmm. in uh, in, in Athens. Athens mm-hmm. You know, earlier this season. Um, but what I was going to say is just when you just purely look at the history of college football, there is not a program that probably means more to the sport 
than Notre Dame does. Right. And that's, and I, and I know that that sounds like hyperbole, but when, you know, if you have not watched the, I've talked a lot about the, the ESPN CFB 150 docuseries. If you watch that show, the way that they explain Notre Dame's importance to the sport it really makes a lot more sense, like why Notre Dame is what it is. And especially we're, we're younger guys. We're yeah. both under 30. Yeah. And so we didn't experience the heyday of Notre Dame, which is basically everything up until like 1997. Yeah. And since then, it's been a little bit rocky. It's been closer to what the perception is yeah. of them being overrated and that right. kind of stuff. But it's like when you think about. Like you cannot tell the, the story of college football without truly giving Notre Dame, like it's due where you're like college football wouldn't be what it is without this school. Mm -hmm. And, and that's just because of some of the things that they were doing in the twenties, you know, and in the thirties and stuff like that. And, and that's what I think is so cool for Iowa state is that they've never, yeah, you played against Oklahoma, you know, you've played against Texas, you played against Nebraska, like those mm -hmm. schools that are in that same yeah. realm of, you know, all time wins and national championships and that kind of stuff. But Notre Dame is like a whole other mm -hmm. deal. I yeah. mean, this is a this is the national college football brand where there are people in Des Moines, Iowa, who are Notre Dame fans for no no real no, no reason. real reason outside of you know they grew up in the eighties. They the grew 70s. up in the eighties, or or their you know denomination of what church they go to. Yeah, like that's that's the kind of thing that that is different, and and that's what I went to South Bend two years ago, and. You know, Notre Dame Stadium isn't that much different than any other stadium, but it's a place that you go into and you're like, man, you can feel the history. You can tell that things have happened here. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can just feel that this, like this place is different. There's some of those college football stadiums you go to where it's like this place is different. Yeah, and you, it's not about the fans. It's not about any of that. You can it's feel just, the ghosts of who's been there before. Right, and like when you when you stand at the base of Touchdown Jesus and you're like, man, I've seen this on TV hundreds of times you know, and you hear about what this is, what this place means to see it. You're like, okay, this is like a big deal. And to see Iowa state going against the golden domes, like that is going to be really cool, you know? And then to, to go and play a bowl game in the state of Florida, something that Iowa state's never done before mm -hmm. this, it doesn't have the same importance that it did 20 years ago. You know, like when, when it was Oklahoma and Nebraska, were going to the orange bowl or going to the citrus bowl or whatever it was every year. It doesn't have that same importance that it did then, but it's still like, this is one of those things that like, when you look at the history of college football to do, this is a big deal. I was just never got to do that before. And, and this is what I was talking to Chris about last night. And, and that's kind of, it's kind of what I wrote about after it was announced college football or like Iowa state is making its mark now where like it is getting a reputation that it belongs in the conversation with these schools for the first time ever, mm -hmm. really. Ever. And this isn't Seneca. Seneca was around and it was like, oh my God, look at Seneca. Yeah. It wasn't, oh my God, look at Iowa State. It's look how good this one guy is. Right. And then when he left, it kind of like faded back down. And there's there wasn't there hasn't been that kind of cachet since. And we were talking about this in the middle of the season when Brock Purdy started really becoming a stud. And we were like, you know, it gave that example of 21 pilots. Like I remember watch, we are now watching to, to compliment your point, Iowa state becoming a national name that everyone goes, Oh yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're good. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a who, right. Ohio state. No, Oh no. Iowa state. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Like yeah. it's not that it's becoming 
they got picked again at the top of the heap of the teams that were left. They got picked over teams to play in Florida against Notre Dame. That is a compliment to everything there at Iowa State. And that's the thing that I think when when Notre Dame fans look at the game, they probably see seven and five unranked team. And to them, that's probably a disappointment. But I thought that it was it was interesting to hear Brian Kelly yes or to read what Brian Kelly had to say after the game was announced. And he he the first thing he said is this team is this close to being eleven and one. Mm-hmm. He's like, they've got a heck of an offense. They've got a quarterback that is as good as any in the country. And uh, you know that these people, like the people in college football know about Iowa State now, mm-hmm. you know, Iowa State is making a name for itself. And I, this is, that was what was so cool to me was it was just like, now all of a sudden Iowa State is not, you know, it's not the plucky underdog that just like is trying to, you know, earn its spot at the table. Like they got a spot at the table now. And, you know, I think that you can give a lot of credit to that to a lot of different people. I think Jamie Pollard, obviously, number one, deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, I think actually Fred Hoiberg probably deserves some credit for that, for what he was able to do with the basketball program mm-hmm. and where the basketball program has gone in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Matt Campbell obviously deserves a lot of credit for that, for what he has done in his four years in Ames. And everybody but, and that comes... And the fans. And, and, and uh, before we get to the fans, everybody that comes in that Matt Campbell tree that yeah. hasn't left... So you look, I don't know how many different jobs guys like Tom Manning or guys like John Haycock have been offered or, you know, anybody else you fill in the name or fill in the blank. This staff has been, there's been a ton of continuity in this staff, offense, defense, special teams. I mean, special teams have been kind of, they've, they've pieced that job around, Mm -hmm. but there's been very little turnover with any of the staff. So this consistency goes from Campbell to the entire staff all the way down to operations guys. Yeah. I mean, guys like Skip and uh, Hoosier, yeah. they've been around the entire time. Yeah. They could get better paying jobs elsewhere, but they don't want to mm-hmm. because they like what Matt Campbell's doing. See, and that's like, if you look back at Coach Campbell's first staff, I think everybody except for two guys is still here. Yeah. And that's Brian Gasser and um, Jim Hoffer. And I think that it's worked out with Coach Was Cor- Lou here? Oh, yeah, and Lou Ianni. Yeah. So that's it. Uh, but I think that it's worked out where now you've got Nate Shieldhouse, which has been a net positive, yep. I would say. Uh, I think Joel Gordon, at the end of the day, has probably been a net positive. I mean, like, and these guys that are coming in are young, you know? Like, the, like Nate Shieldhouse will be probably one of the marquee names for assistant coaches. If Nate Shieldhouse is not, his phone hasn't already been ringing, it would shock me mm-hmm. with all these guys that are moving around looking at different jobs or changing jobs and stuff like that, if he hasn't been fielding calls, it would be very surprising to me. Yeah. Uh, and that's just, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to think about that just for where Iowa State has come from. And that's what, when and, I'm looking at these things yesterday, just looking at the comparison of the two schools, they couldn't be further apart in what, history. In history. I mean, Iowa State is like hardly a top 100 program in the history of wins and stuff like that at, in college football. Whereas Notre Dame has won, is one of like five programs to have won 900 games. 900. That's crazy. I would say it's won like 530. And that's just what, that, that's what makes this thing so important. Where if you can go and win that game, I mean, that opens a lot of eyes. And, and I think Iowa State's going to have a chance. And uh, this is, again, not, I cut you off to compliment the rest of the staff, but then we'll again compliment down for the second time, compliment the fans. 
because having the fan, having the fan support that Iowa State has, it's a, it's, it has been, again, I use that, the metaphor in the first place of my kid is the smartest kid in class. Mm -hmm. And everybody always thinks that everyone thinks that their kid is the smartest kid, but then having someone else give you recognition that your kid is the smartest kid when he makes the honor roll as a valedictorian at, you know, coming out of high school, you're like, Oh, okay. My kid actually is this. Someone else thinks the same thing that I think. And so our fans have been the devoted doting parents the entire time. No thinking that, look how good we are. We love this group whether it's going down to Kansas city and everyone national announcers calling it Hilton South or everyone saying this vaunted Hilton Coliseum or everyone saying a sold out Jack Tri stadium when they're four and eight, like there's, or, you know, four and seven or whatever it was like those things we knew about a while ago and the fans had been supporting a while ago. And now that the team has risen to success Matt Campbell's not here without the fans. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that drew him here in the first place. So the fans got Campbell here. And now that, again, you, you, the, the team has riven, risen to a level of success that matches the fans' expectations, someone else saying, all right, you get to go play in Notre Dame or in Orlando against Notre Dame right in front of the rest of the, right in front of the world. That's what we think of you. That is, again, getting your academic honor roll and your parents being like, I knew it. I knew my kid was actually smarter. Now you guys can see that this actually, these kids actually smarter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's cool, man. Uh, and I'm sure that next week we'll probably talk more about the actual football stuff. Yeah. We'll both get into Notre Dame a yeah. lot more this week. Uh, I mean, I think everybody knows about Ian book. I think everybody always knows that that Notre Dame is gonna have a very good defense. That is, those are just kind of the hallmarks. And they of run, that program. they run the ball a lot. Yeah. They, they really like they to run, run the, ball. the ball a lot. Yeah. Um, one other story that I think is actually something that I don't know that it will be brought up very much, but, uh, I, I might write about this at some point. Uh, last week, Notre Dame had a former player that passed away, uh, named George Atkinson, who was a, a running back for their teams, like in the early 2010s, like early to mid 2010s. Um, and he has a remarkable story. His, uh, brother committed suicide last year. Mm. Uh, his mom had passed away recently before that. And then he wrote a letter, like an open letter to kids talking about kids that have struggles and him writing about his own struggles. Uh, and then he passed away suddenly last week. Uh, and it was very sad. I mean, it was a really, really sad deal. And, um, I was thinking about that. I had seen about that and had tweeted about that before this game was ever announced. But I think that that's something that you know, Cyclone Nation can kind of kind of rally around the Notre Dame mm -hmm. folks a little bit uh, because I think there's some people hurting there yeah. where where these two young men who had been part of their program have both tragically passed away at, I, I want to say, in their mid-20s. And, and that's very, that's really sad. I'm sure it, there are at least some people who know those that are at Notre Dame or if there's any information about that, um, I think that's something that if we could put that in front of the, the Cyclone Nation. Yeah. I think there's, there'd be plenty of support to go behind that. Yeah. So if there is anybody that knows anything about whether it's a fundraising effort or something say, like I'll, that. I'll see if I can find some stuff okay. and I'll put that out. Uh, when we do stands and fits this week, I'll see if I can find some more stuff uh, before then. But I did tweet out is the letter that he wrote. And it's really powerful. It's one of those things that you read and you're just like, wow. Uh, you don't know. I mean, it's, it's crazy how these people that we, you know, Every Saturday we worship these guys and what that they and what they're able to do on the football field. 
and then you read about some of their stories and it just, it kind of blows you away. And this is what this one does where you're just like, man, this dude was, he went through a lot of shit, you know, and was still able to be a college football player and, and make an impact on one of the most important football programs in the country. And, and it's, it's tragic that he lost his life last week. Mm. Um, so we'll talk, I'll talk about that more here in the next couple of weeks, but I think that that's a story that uh, deserves a lot of attention uh, as we lead up, lead up to this game. Something that I think Cyclone Nation, if we can find a way to, to help them out, that would be even just thoughts and prayers. I think that would be good. Yeah. You want to talk more about the, uh, the playoff and that kind of stuff? We can get that, and I think there's one other little aspect of this game that I think is really kind of cool. Okay. So we'll do that after the break. Yeah, we'll do that when we come back. Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Welcome back to Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. You said there's one other thing that you think is pretty cool. What is it? The last, not the last, one of the things that is kind of involved with that my kid's the smartest kid in the class is Brock Purdy. Yeah. We know that Brock Purdy is one of the smartest kids in the class. We know how good he is. Not a lot of, not a lot of other people outside of the people that watch him on film. The coaches do. One of the first things that every coach says when they're playing Iowa State, you mentioned it, is mm-hmm. this team's close to being 11-1. and one. What's One of the first things that comes out, they have a really good offense and a really good quarterback. That statement, one, two, three, boom, boom, boom. That would be the same thing you'd say about Oklahoma. Yeah. They've got a really good offense. They have a really good quarterback. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs mm-hmm. that normally won't be on Iowa State on Iowa State. We know how good Brock Purdy's been. We know that he's a sophomore. We know that he's returning. We know that he now has, again, a huge platform not to put pressure on the kid. He puts enough pressure on himself. But the opportunity that he has is to play exactly like he's played this entire season. Not to do more, not to try and be everything, but to get the ball distributed mm-hmm. to guys like Brees Hall, to guys you know like LaMichael Petway, to Deshante Jones, to Charlie Kolar, to get the guys, get it spread about, and being in front of, again, playing against Notre Dame as a lead-in for all of these college football writers and Heisman voters that would, and Davey O'Brien voters that normally wouldn't have watched Iowa State because they're playing the 2.30 kickoff game, which is the same time as, you know, Alabama's playing the 2.30 kickoff game. It doesn't really matter. They're not going to take Iowa State. So they're only going to look at him on statistics if they even get to Iowa State at all. But now, the opportunity that Iowa State has, because there's not just one guy. I mean, Brock Purdy is obviously the one that kind of sticks out. Mm-hmm. It's it's the it's the tallest sunflower in the in the field. Uh, but if he does well or he performs, I wouldn't even say well, average to his season, then that brings a lot of notice to him going into next year. Because all those writers that wouldn't have had a chance to see him now will. Because again, the time slot of this game is enormously cool. Because it's, I mentioned it before, but it's 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday the 28th. 3 p.m. kickoff on Saturday the 28th is LSU versus Oklahoma. 7 p.m. kickoff on Saturday the 28th is Ohio State Clemson. Those three games are boom, 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 back yeah. to back to back. Yeah. And it's an, I think it's an ABC game. So it is the show at 11 o'clock the, right before the playoff games start. So people that are naturally going to be, I'm going to you know, sit down and hunker down and watch football all day. This is the game that's going to be the opening act for those. So Purdy has the chance, again, doing what he did the rest of the season to put his name officially on that. You need to watch out for this guy for Heisman next year, because what that does then 
He just brings the spotlight onto himself. If he does, again, performs as he has this whole season, then going into next year, whatever he does is actually noticed. It's, you know, it, it doesn't get swept under the rug because it's somebody else. It's some other school. Right. He's now like, okay, you know, some writer that lives in Sacramento that's going to be a voter would actually be like, oh, okay, well, I remember watching this kid. Now I know something about him. If Iowa State starts the season off well next year and Purdy does what we're expecting him to, then oh, you're like, oh, okay, let me tune in to see this kid because he's good. And I think other guys have the chance too because obviously scouts are going to do what scouts are going to do, but Jadavion Clowney in that bowl game when he just planted the dude from Michigan, legitimately that put him higher on draft boards because there was something that just caught people's attention. And so there are guys that would probably be vying whether it's for an NFL spot in general to be drafted or whether it's to get higher draft picks like a guy like Ray Lima or a guy like LaMichael Petway that would just be considered potentially for a roster spot yeah. would ha- now have the opportunity or a guy like Greg Eisworth, who is probably going to be next year on the, the uh, award, the really short list for the awards like the Thorpe or um, is it Butkus is all defensive player? Is that just linebacker? But I don't know the, the entire, def- whatever the, the name for the defensive player of the year is, I, I'm having a brain fart, but he'll be on the short list for those. And so a guy like Eisworth has a chance to be up there. Um, you know, guys like Mike Rose have a chance to be noticed for doing things because of the, the profile of this game yeah. and how few other games are going to be going on at the time. Uh, they have a chance to get noticed. So the spotlight has a big, I think Purdy has the biggest upside in this. I think Brees Hall has another big, big upside, but guys, the spotlight that this gives and the, like I said, the, the few other games that are going on, it's a really big opportunity. And I think it's really cool that they will get this chance because it's Notre Dame and because of when it is. See, and just think like what, you know, guys like Ray Lima and Jamal Johnson and Deshante Jones, uh, you know, guys, those, those offensive linemen, like what they committed to when they came to Iowa State and how they get to close out their career. Mm-hmm. Playing three, against Notre Dame on national television. Three straight bowl games. They went Memphis, which was first bowl game in a while. That's cool. Then you get to go to San Antonio for the Alamo Bowl, something Iowa State's never done. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Now you get to play Notre Dame right before the playoff. In Florida. In Florida. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just that that's another thing where it's like for them to be able to finish their career out like that is big time. I mean, that's it's unlike anything probably that the program's really ever done, at least not since the 70s, which is uh, which is pretty remarkable. So, yeah, I, I think that it'll be a it'll be a cool game. I think everybody should be really excited to go to Florida. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. I'm excited. And it's not just because of Harry Potter. I'm excited to sit by the pool too. Do you think I should go tan before I go to Florida? I'm not. I don't. I I don't know if I want to go to a pool like with my pasty Iowa gotta, Iowa uh, Iowa in December skin. You just gotta like slowly integrate yourself into the sun. Again, it's like when I go <laughs> sun sun bad. <laughs> it's like in Benchwarmers when he's sitting in the yeah. closet drinking sunscreen. Yeah. Yeah. And he's peeing in the jug. Yep. That's you. That'll be me in my hotel room. That's Jared. You'll get to Florida or you'll get to Orlando <laughs> and I'll just be like, it, I'll have blackout curtains. You'll come in my hotel room and it'll just be completely dark. Start uh, sizzling when the sun rays come in the cracked door. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the college football playoff. Um, 
I think, think I think this might be the most intriguing college football playoff we've had since the first one. But it's also the one with the least amount of debate. Yeah. I, I mean, you have undefeated conference champ, undefeated conference champ, undefeated conference champ, one lost conference champ. Yeah. Baylor would have got in if they would have won that they, game. They would have. Yeah. If well, I would have say if if Charlie Brewer didn't get a concussion. Yeah. He would have. They would have won the game. That was a bad deal. Oh, a little interesting. Uh, it's kind of I, okay. I I've been. I don't know if I've been publicly anti Mike Defee, but props to Mike Defee and that crew. You have definitely been publicly anti Mike Defee. Okay, I don't remember if I had actually said it here or if you just said it. You, in private. You've said it lots of times. But uh, props to Mike Defee and that crew for that game. Um, for two reasons. One, I think it was generally pretty well officiated. Um, and the one thing, usually my biggest beef with Defee's crew is how long they'll conference about something for small things. Um, but it, I think it was pretty well officiated and how they handled the Charlie Brewer situation. Um, th- absolute credit to them because of course the kid's going to say I'm fine. And Baylor tossed him back in there because I don't, I, I, that to me is, um, understandable but inexcusable yeah of putting him back in you know that you want him back in there you know that he wants to be back in there but you also know that he shouldn't be in there and he goes back in there anyway and mike defee goes before the drive started uh he said you could see him tapping him on the head and being like son are are you okay i don't know if you're okay and some, I think Defee, I don't know what that, that interaction was, but after a three and out where Brewer was clearly missing throws, like very clearly throwing them in the ground when he shouldn't have. But Defee essentially said, he needs to be pulled out of the game. You must go evaluate him. So props to Mike Defee in that entire thing. But yeah, Baylor would have got in. So this whole playoff situation was after Utah losing, winner of the Big 12, essentially assuming that LSU beat Georgia, they're in. That was it. And everything else was pretty water under the bridge. The only the, the only time this would have been a little bit more convoluted is if Oregon wouldn't have lost a few weeks ago. I was just saying, I, I, the I'll winner, be honest, I think that Oregon's better team than Oklahoma. I think so too. But by they record, lost two games, yeah. I mean, yeah. they didn't. I mean, they, yeah. they didn't earn their keep to get in there. I'm just, they, I'm just saying, yeah. just in general, I do think that they're a better team than what Oklahoma Again, is. Again, I, I agree. Yeah. But... I mean, proofs in the pudding. Yeah, you don't lose that game. To, don't lose that game to Arizona State. There's Arizona. Or Arizona. Excuse Arizona, me. Arizona. Yeah. Tough yeah. boogies. Yeah. But yeah, this is kind of fun. Um, I I also expect LSU to boat race Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, what they did to Georgia on Saturday mm-hmm. was impressive. I will say, I think Burrow might win the Heisman by like a while, a, 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 a record landslide amount. I, I don't know if it'll be a record landslide. I don't know, man. Who? Because the the Ohio who else are even going to be the finalists? Jalen Hurts, yeah, be a finalist. Um, and then the Ohio State crew is oh, going to yeah, just Justin, steal votes yeah. between yeah. the three of them. Are going to steal votes from each other. Um, and so I think Jalen Hurts will end up being the runner up, uh, and Burrow will win. It'll be comfortable, I think. Uh, it'll be Burrow, and then Jalen Hurts, and then a smattering of other guys. I bet Tua still gets some votes, even though he was hurt mm-hmm. towards the end of the season. I bet he still gets votes, like a second or third place vote or whatever. Um, but it's not, I don't think it's going to be a record record, but it's, he will win it comfortably. Yeah. But I, the, the thing that I will say about Oklahoma, so their defense is not good. They just were playing against a third string quarterback at Baylor to make them look good. And they, yeah, they rattled Charlie Brewer, whatever. It's, okay, well, Baylor, a lot of times, is slow starting yeah. to just get a feel of what they need to do. And then that's when 
They're going to let their defense wear you down, and then they're going to take off the end. Well, they ran out of Charlie Brewer, so they couldn't take off at the end. They're like a boa constrictor. Yeah. It's, it, they Utah's play, the same way. Yeah, they play that boring, slow football that they're just going to, by the time you get tired, they're going to take everything over. Um, it's like Virginia basketball. Exactly. And so they didn't get, didn't get to do that. Oklahoma's defense is still bad. LSU has potentially the, not the best offense, because I think that belongs to Ohio State. Um, but they have one of the best offenses in the country. And they're going to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. But to their credit, <clears throat> Jalen Hurts is really, 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 really good. Yeah. Really good. Um, and he will keep them in the game simply by just doing ridiculous crap. Like, because LSU is, you know, big and strong and fast and, you know, SEC. Uh, Oklahoma is probably the most athletic offensive line outside of Ohio State, maybe even including Ohio State in the country. And so their ability to move and be athletic and aggressive is just going to let Jalen Hurts do Jalen Hurts things. And they have the guy who I will maintain is the best receiver in college football. Lamb? And it is not close. CD Lamb. Yeah. Yes. So they're going to be able to, and he's also going to be going up against two of the best secondary players in the yeah. country at LSU. The problem is Oklahoma is not going to be able to stop LSU. Mm-hmm. So in order for even for them to be close, they're going to have to win this game. I mean, it's first one to 45 yeah. is going to be the one that wins that game. Where the other one, that's, I think, Ohio State-Clemson. I don't know, I think give me Clemson. I think that's the most, that, like I said before, this is the most intriguing playoff, I think, since the very first one. This might be the most intriguing semifinal that we've ever had. Ohio State-Clemson? Yeah. I thought Baker's-Oklahoma versus Georgia. That was really good, but I mean, even then, this is the first time that we'll have two 13-0 teams playing each other in the, in mm-hmm. the, in the semifinals. Yeah. And, you know, it's been said, you know, Ohio State or LSU, who's the number one team? We're kind of disrespecting the defending national champions. 26 consecutive wins. Who thumped yeah. Alabama last year. Thumped Alabama. Not close. Yeah. Thumped. And they're playing against Ohio State. And Ryan Day is not head coached in this position. He was a coordinator last year. So, like, they, they, he, he's been in this situation before. Nas head coach. And Dabo and Brent Venables, they've been there. Mm-hmm. They're going to game plan. And, you know, last year, again, speaking of the Alabama game, and after they just ran rough shot against Notre Dame, uh, they were thinking, okay, how are you going to slow down Alabama and Tua and all the talent they have at wide receiver? And they have two NFL running back. You know, Josh Jacobs is going to be a top 15 pick. And how are you going to slow him down? And they confused the Jesus. They confused the shit out of Tua. There was nothing. He could not figure out where everything was going. Justin Fields is... First year there, they haven't really played a defense that can do what Clemson can do. I yeah. mean, no one really has because Venables is so, so good given time of what to do as far as the game plan is concerned. They're going to find, you know, take the Bill Belichick method. What is the one thing you love doing and you can't do that thing? I dare you. You can't do that one thing. You can find something else. You're not going to do that one thing. So I bet they slow down J.K. Dobbins and they make Fields stand in the pocket and throw. And, ju- and that's it. Mm-hmm. The only thing you can do is stand in the pocket and throw. And if you stand in the pocket and throw, we got four always. Clemson always has four defensive linemen that are going to be NFL draft picks. You got a good offensive line, but how? if you drop back 25 times, yeah. you, you're going to stop my guys 25 times? Probably not. I think, I think Clemson is going to win that game. And I think it's going to be Clemson LSU in the title. And that I think is going to be really fun. Because how do you... Joe Burrow is 
uh, uh, essentially like he plays like Brock Purdy. If you did, I mean, you got to watch him on Saturday. He plays like Brock Purdy with Bro- better players around him. Right. He, no, nothing against Iowa State's guys, but these guys are five star recruits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to have like, okay, he needs, he runs when he needs to, doesn't run over the, t- oh, too many times. Um, but he's accurate. He's a great decision maker and the guys just freaking love him. Mm-hmm. He's a winner, dude. He is. And he's a competitor and you kind of see that. I mean, people have made, it's the first time that I felt like, oh, that's kind of Tom Brady where it's the first time you feel that competitiveness out of somebody. I'll tell you that I did, I did interviews for a story I was going to write, uh, there was a point where Brock and Joe had very similar, they had some things that were in common between the two of them. And the first program to offer Joe Burrow scholarship was the university of Toledo with Matt Campbell. And I asked coach Campbell about Joe and he said, and that's exactly what he said. He's like, there's a lot of similarities between our guy and that guy. He's like that, you know, there's some differences. Mm -hmm. Joe's obviously older, you know, and has been playing college football for longer, but you know, he said, he's like, their demeanors, the way that people are drawn to them, the competitiveness. Mm-hmm. He's like, that dude is the guy you want to go to war with. He's like, and I like our guy too, because I want to go to war with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that there are a lot of similarities between those two young men. And the, it, he is a Matt Campbell guy through and through. I, yep. know, I know that the Burroughs and, and Coach Campbell are, are pretty close. Well, because his dad was a coach for a while. Yeah, his dad was the a longtime defensive coordinator at, at the University of Ohio under Frank Solich. And so they've, I, I think that him and Jimmy Burrow have known each other for a long time, Coach Campbell and Jimmy Burrow. And yeah, so it, I'm very Obviously intrigued. the Ames-Iowa connections too. Yeah. Joe born in Ames, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm very intrigued by yeah both of these games. Uh, I think Ohio is going to be a steep underdog. And they're going to have a lot of uphill climb to try and get to. Um, and they just need to be... Ohio real, State? Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, excuse me. Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma has a big uphill climb against LSU. Uh, biggest reason is discipline on defense is when we talked about it. Like, they're, they're generally... Two out of 11 guys are going to screw up. Yeah. And against good offenses, they're going to find that screw up. Against bad offenses, they're not. LSU is a real good offense mm-hmm. with a real good dude at both quarterback and at running back. That... Clyde Edwards Elaire, that's Darren Sproles. Yeah. He's low to the ground, can do everything. I don't I, I think he had like twelve rushing yards in the first half, but like seventy five receiving yards because it was a better option to get him there. Um so that I yeah, the playoffs are gonna be really cool. And then another, you know, just I, I think this bowl season landed really fun. Because if you talk about the rest of the Big Twelve, Texas gets to play in again in the Alamo Bowl against uh Utah. That's a good game. That's a very, it's a prominent game. You can kind of, again, big opportunity for the big 12. Mm-hmm. Baylor gets to play against Georgia. Just as long as Charlie Brewer doesn't get up there and say Baylor's back. Yeah, that was, that didn't work out very well. Texas is back. Yeah, that didn't work out very well. I don't well. think they're officially back, but, well, and then a lot of openings on that staff. Yeah. Uh, can you believe they fired Todd Orlando? I think I had to kill Herman. Too. I mean, I, I believe that they did it, you know, but Man, that's tough. Yeah, because Herman and him are boys. They've been yeah. best buddies since like 2000. Well, it's, and it, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Todd Orlando was the, he was the dude. He was that dude, mm-hmm. you know? Man, it just goes to show that some of those programs, you got one bad year. And that's another reason, and I think it's very sobering, or very sober uh, look by Campbell and even let's lump Ference in the same thing. Like people have 
even in his heyday, when there were really, you know, people were clamoring for Kirk Ferentz, he wanted to stay at a place where a 10 win season was appreciated or improvement was appreciated. And Matt Campbell is even, is the, the most quintessential example of that where people like Tallahassee were like, I was reading just curious again, knowing full well that Campbell is going to stay, but just cu- like curious what the other fan boards were saying. And there was someone that wrote an article for like the rivals site for uh, Florida state. That was like, I think the quote was something to the effect of Matt Campbell can stay at Iowa state and win eight games a year, or he could come down and win a national title at Florida state. And I'm could. like, he, he could, or he could win nine games for three straight years. And you guys want him fired. Yeah. One of those two things seems pretty good. We're, we're ta- we've talked now for the better part of an hour about how happy we are to go to Orlando mm-hmm. to play against Notre Dame with a seven-win season. And there comes a day when it's like, all right, time to think about it a little bit more now. You know, there comes a day. We're, for sure. We're not there yet. For sure. Yeah. But I think with the, the benefit of current and hindsight, why would you want to go to a place, you know, yeah, you get the bells and whistles, but with those bells and whistles, there's like a loaded revolver behind your head. That's mm-hmm. like, you better drive this car fast. If you don't drive this car fast, you're going to be out of this car. And it's, uh, it's again, neat to see a coach that has a sobering reminder or a very sober view of what coaching is and can be of not trying to jump jobs for money Yeah, and just being like, look, this is a good situation. I like where I'm at. Well, like, and it makes sense for Mike Norvell. You know, from Memphis, from Memphis to go to Florida State, like that's one thing. But like, if you're in the Power Five, like, and you're, you know, you're Coach Campbell, like, you got a lot going for you, yeah. you know. And and it's just not how it used to be. Where, yeah, okay, at the end of the day, you know, there's only a handful of programs that realistically probably can win a national championship. I mean, yeah, know? how many how many teams have actually been in the playoff? Like, eleven over six years. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time that Alabama's not in it. It's first time LSU's been in it. Yeah, first time LSU's been in it. In, I mean, Oklahoma's been in it a bunch of times. Ohio State's been in it a bunch of times. Clemson's obviously been in it a bunch of times. But like, if you think about the other teams that have been in, Oregon's been in. Notre Dame. Notre Dame has been in. Uh, uh, Michigan State was in it that one year. Yeah. Uh, and just got rocked. And that was the year they mm-hmm. lost to Mike Riley in Nebraska and still made the mm-hmm. college football playoff. So it's like, you know, these other schools can get in, but just like realistically, like if Utah would have got in, I, this is something that, uh, that had me fired up. I don't know if you saw the clip, Paul Feinbaum talking last week well, about Feinbaum's the about most Utah SEC homer. And saying like, nobody in the country wants to see Utah in the college football playoff. I was like, why? Everybody in the country wants to see Utah except you. Yeah. I was like, man, I don't know. Like, I... I'm cool with Utah being in the playoff because it's somebody different, yeah. you know? And and at least Utah has, like, man, you want to talk about a program that's taking the long road around, you know? Like, that's I, that's cool with me. Like, I'm, I'm fine with seeing something like that. And, I mean, even, like, when Michigan, if they ever get in, like, I'll be kind of like, man, okay. It's different. Somebody else. Yeah, it's somebody else. Somebody that's not Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. And Georgia. And Georgia, yeah. Like that's, that to me is cool. Even Oklahoma, like you're getting to a point now where it's like, all right, we need to get somebody, somebody else. We need to get somebody else out of this conference into the, into the playoff than Oklahoma, you know? And that's why do not take this the wrong way. Everybody knows how I feel about Baylor. Not a Baylor guy. Hate same, Baylor. Same, same, same. But if they would have made the college football playoff, I'd been like, Hey, 
at least now we know like someone else can do it. Yeah. You know, at this point, like it, it's not just Oklahoma that they're going to take to be in the playoff. Like we know that someone else can go now. Well, Oklahoma hasn't won a playoff game. Yeah. They've been beaten in every single one of the times they've gone. And I think they're going to get beaten again this year because they've always consistently been uh, a one loss team. Think about this. The only teams that have been to the college football playoff from the Pac-12 are Oregon and Washington. USC's never even been to the college football playoff. Stanford's never been. Stanford's never been to the college football playoff. Like, that's, it's hard to go and do that, you know? Like, Florida State hasn't even been yeah, since, they, they were since once. the first yeah. year. And they got crushed by Oregon, by Oregon in, the, in the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. Like, why, if, if you're Matt Campbell, like, if you can catch lightning in a bottle, you put yourself in a position to get there, you know? Anywhere, anywhere. Mm-hmm. But realistically, like, it's hard unless you're at Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, like, to just be there every year. Like, you know that if they just win games, they're going to be in. Yeah. And that's how it is everywhere. It's like, at the end of the day, you win your games, you're going to be in. Alabama learned this year, like, man, don't win your games. Look what happens. You know, you drop number 13, you're going to the Citrus Bowl to play Michigan. They're going to work Michigan. If they bring their A team, Yeah. Oh, yeah. How many people are going to declare for the NFL draft? Exactly. Yeah. That's Man, this is bi- I mean, that's a big game for Michigan. Like, that can be like a statement game for them. And Harbaugh can, yeah, finally get some points. That's what I'm saying. Like, for him to, he can sit there and be like, yo. We beat Alabama. They, this is what they say about you guys. They think you guys don't even belong on the same field with this team. What do you think about that? I think the other, and. And their offensive coordinator just came from, uh, from Alabama. And they also, the whole like satellite camp thing in Alabama mm-hmm. a few years ago. That's a, that's a gauntlet game. That's an interesting game. I think, you know, just another. If I could afford a hotel for three more days, I would stay and go to that game in Orlando. Oh, if, yeah. if people out there can, I mean, if you can do that, like that would be worth it. I think to, just to see those fan bases, just to stay and go to that game. That'll be a fun football game. The other kind of cool thing for the other half of this state, they got San Diego against USC. Mm-hmm. Like there's just good bowl situations across the board i think it's a very at least for everything that's tangentially related to iowa state and the big 12 it's exactly how it could have could have and should have gone the one i think the one in the northern that, iowa panthers are going to play for a trip to the fcs semifinals on saturday exactly against uh, the, the number one james madison bulldogs Ooh, that's this is this has been a very good week and a half yeah in the state of iowa and this, and we got a win last night over the Pirates. Man, I didn't. I don't know. I don't know what much, what more, much more we could ask for in the state of Iowa at this point. You have to continue renouncing Nebraska. You, we had this this therapeutic heart to heart about your. Did you see what Creighton did to them on Saturday? No, <laughs> I think it was thirty-five to four. To start the game. Oof! But since that happened, since we talked about what happened, Campbell got an extension. I just had to air it out. Had to get it out there. Yep. Campbell got an extension. Yeah. Iowa State got to where they're at. Uh, Iowa State beat Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Northern Iowa is going to, tangential related to the state. You brought the juju in. Okay. You you got rid of the demons. Take credit for it. All right. I'll take credit. Yep. It was me. I did it. And then. Did all of it. Everything. Just, it's just all. I don't want, but I didn't. Uh, I don't want the, like, to extend to those other people. It, well, it's just juju. It's cosmic forces. It's, it's all gone. But I don't want them to have the juju. I want all the, we want all the juju on our side, not on their side, especially this week. Well, it's, it's just a big week. Thursday. Well, and the other competitions that are going on this week. 
Thursday's a big one. Thursday's a big one. It's going to be a... That'll be fun. Both teams are better. Be a good atmosphere. I think both teams are better than we expected them. I have to say I halfway agree with that. (laughs) Meaning? Halfway agree. No, not not conversation for here. Okay. Not right now. This isn't a basketball podcast. Okay. I, uh, yeah. I don't know. Not going to say I'm a big believer in, yeah. George Condit's good. I'm a big believer in George Condit. I can tell you that right now. And I know that George Condit is very excited for Thursday night. I asked him. George Condit is like a villain. I love it. He's like, I don't know that I have enjoyed. I love George mm-hmm. Niang. I think that George Condit is going to push his way up to be my favorite cyclone of all time. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Just as everything about him. He gives me him and Tyrese, dude. They love playing at Iowa State. And, like, you can tell they're both just getting to that point now where they're, like, they understand, like, how they hold the crowd in the palms of their mm-hmm. hands. And, like, when George gets those dunks and stuff and starts talking talking shit to everybody and, like, Tyrese was height shaming the guy <laughs> last night. Oh, man, I was just – gets me jacked up, dude. Gets me jacked up. I'm ready for Thursday night. It's going to be a fun game. All right, man. Buy a bowl package if you haven't already. Buy a bowl package. Yeah, go to Orlando. Travel to Orlando with Cyclone Fanatic. Uh, Tomorrow, I will say we're doing something fun on Cyclone Fanatic. We got the all-decade team for football coming out. Uh, So you guys can can keep an eye out for that. The basketball team comes out the week after. Uh, And then the kind of like a comprehensive look back at the decade the following week. Jeff, I got to tell you, you didn't make the team. Damn it. I'm so shocked. And startled. You'll, you'll be involved in the last one, though. In the last section. A lot of people have voted for you there. That's a long time ago. It, it is a long time ago. A long time ago. I was in high school when that happened. I wasn't. Well, thank you. For, all right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope you have a great rest of your week. We will talk to you guys again soon. Peace.